on the job with Francis Leach. It's on the job, the podcast, all about making your working life better. Francis Leach with you. How are you? Hope you're well. Hope you haven't been flood affected in the last few weeks. I know lots of people have, and uh, it's such a very difficult time and might continue to be as we face uh, seemingly another wet summer episode where flooding might become a more common experience for so many people right around the country, and we hope that doesn't happen. But uh, we are thinking of you, particularly those workers who have to get out on the front line and try and deal with the cleanup and the mess, but also those who have been affected and have lost hours, lost work as a consequence of flooding. Remember, we had the Australian Youth Climate Coalition on the pod just a week or so back talking about their climate change leave that they've organised through their enterprise bargaining agreement. So in a circumstance where their community has been affected by a flood, Uh, Their current agreement at work means that they can use five days of paid leave to go and help in that situation because someone's got to do the cleanup, someone's got to help mum and dad or your your loved ones or your partner, you know, get something out of a a difficult situation or feed the family, whatever. Uh, Really fascinating that that is possibly going to be something we'll talk more about on this pod in the the next little while because I think increasingly those sorts of challenges are are going to become uh, apparent and uh, we're going to need to deal with it. And we'll keep you right across that here on the podcast. One of those eternal things we're discussing today, the gender pay gap, it's usually all bad news or slow incremental change that uh, does drive people a little crazy because it's taken far too long to get this issue back to where it should be, where everyone gets paid the same amount for the same amount of work, regardless of what their gender identity is. But it's not the case. But there is some good news. We have some good news and we think we should share it with you. So why don't we do that by talking to Maddie Northam. This is On The Job with Francis Leach. On The Job, Francis Leach here. Maddie is with us. Maddie Northern from the CPSU, the uh, Commonwealth Public Service Union, and uh, she's got some great news for us. Maddie, what's the good news? Welcome to the, the pod. How are you? Good. Thank you, Francis. Thanks for having me on. And we have great news coming out of the ACT government in Canberra that the gender pay gap has dropped in June to 0.5% and then in August down to 0.1%. That's uh, where we should be. I mean, we, we want to give it a clap. Yep, we'll give it a, a polite golf clap, but that's what it should be. So it's not, you know, it's not like where you're saying, well, you've done an amazing job because, you know, you're going over your way to do something that needs to be bloody well done. But yes, well done, Andrew Barr and his team. So this is quite an achievement. And I want to talk to you about how they've managed to do that because I was just looking at some recent uh, news regarding the gender pay gap. And for instance, there's a, an article in the nine newspapers just a couple of days ago that the gender pay gap at Australian universities for graduates has more than doubled since the pandemic with male graduates earning an average of $5,700 a year more than women this year. So while we're celebrating your success and and the success in the ACT with the almost in a way eliminating the gender pay gap, it's still going on elsewhere. So we need to know, we need to know what has been done to get this right. So, Francis, what we've seen by the ACT government over the past, I would say, 11 years has been a concerted effort to uh, to close that 
gender pay gap. And it's been quite obvious, even since 2018, it's gone from 2.3% down to 1.5, 0.9, 0.8, and now 0.5, then even more recently, 0.1. But it all started with the now Senator and Minister of Women, Katie Gallagher, when she was Chief Minister from 2011 through to 2014. And this was something that she had a huge emphasis on. And that combined with the government having productive and good working relationships with trade unions has meant that we can deliver this sort of outcome for working women in the ACT public service. So it's not that the government's just done off their own bat completely. Of course, unions have had to negotiate some things into enterprise agreements that make the ACT public service the best place to come and work. But we have to acknowledge the leadership of our uh, colleagues in the Legislative Assembly. It shows what a Labor government of over 20 years can deliver. It's a fantastic result. And there are different elements to it that are really interesting. So one of them has been uh, increasing the number of women in executive roles, in decision-making roles, because ultimately the decision-makers are going to be the ones that will uh, determine policy and direction. So how has that been achieved? So the very top person in the ACT public service is a woman, Kathy Lee, head of service, uh, which is fantastic. And then at the directorate level, or for your listeners, they probably know them as departments. We've got... I would, I should have looked this up before beforehand, Francis, but I'm pretty sure it's a majority of women who are the directors general of those directorates as well. So having women at the very top level and then coming down through the public service, 53.3% off the top of my head are women uh, as well in those executive roles. Which does show, doesn't it, that once you change the dynamic of leadership, it can significantly change the outcomes for those who have to follow those directions. Because without uh, people with lived experience of what the gender pay gap actually really is and how it impacts people and how it perpetuates itself because like selects like and the status quo is often defended and maintained, nothing changes. Absolutely. And it's interesting, Francis, that you said like selects like because this is something I had on my list to talk to you about is a CPSU initiative that we've had in the ACT public service for a number of years now and it's called Joint Selection Committees. Now, this is where instead of the normal panel that an employer sets up and there might be a desired outcome in mind, you know, that does happen from time to time, We've got a selection panel in Canberra where the union appoints someone to sit on there to make sure that the process is that it's done correctly, fairly. And I think if you went back and looked at it, that you would see a shift in women going into those senior roles from that point onwards. And again, that's a union one condition in a pretty great enterprise agreement. Yeah, and really important structural change because in any organisation or situation, when a whole bunch of people sit around and agree with one another, all you really need is one informed, critical voice to change the tone of the conversation and the focus of the conversation. And people of goodwill often can see uh, for the first time how they're uh, maybe participating in just reinforcing the status quo. So I'm not saying that everyone on there is there with uh, with a bad intent, but they just need to hear a different perspective on things to make real change. That's exactly right. And we've tried to introduce other uh, conditions into the enterprise agreements here in the ACT Public Service that make the ACT Public Service a really attractive place for women to work in the first place before you even talk about them moving into more senior roles. So we've got things like superannuation on unpaid parental leave. 
Now, that only lasts for 12 months, and that's something we're pushing more in bargaining at the moment to extend that. But those sort of things attract and retain women into the public service, which is something we want to see. Now, that's reflected in the fact that the service is 65% women. We've still got a bit of a way to go in executive positions. If you remember, I said 53% of the executive women. So we're still disproportionately represented by men at that level. However, we are over the 50% mark. One of the other uh, initiatives that I like is scoping a new uh, internship policy for women in male-dominated roles. So there is a whole range of assumptions and increasingly we're challenging that through the union movement and we've been doing it a long time that there are certain jobs that are just for blokes and others are for women. And I guess we're still trying to break the nexus in the care sector that women's work is caring work and therefore you know goes hand in hand with being underpaid and underappreciated. But the reverse is also true is trying to make sure that opportunities in traditionally male areas, uh, which are dominated by not only male workers, but male decision makers, that there is an actual conscious and concerted approach to ensuring that that is not just maintained year in, year out. Definitely. And that's something our comrades at the CFMU have been working with the ACT public service on as well. And we know that through the education directorate here in Canberra, the Strathnan Primary School, so a new primary school that's being built, the government awarded the contract based on the fact that it had to be led by an all-female project management team and showed that demonstrate evidence that there was female participation in each trade subcontract that went out. So the government taking progressive steps like this will hopefully lead to increased participation in those traditionally male-dominated industries as well, not just in the policy areas that we've probably been talking about earlier. Because that builds capacity, doesn't once a woman's been in that role, they might step up to the next role and behind them, uh, the pathway is being built for other younger women or women who are coming from different sectors to then take on those opportunities as well. So it's really, it's a, a doubling effect. It really does extend beyond the individual themselves who might take on that job uh, through that process. That's right. And it shows companies that want to tender for ACT government contracts in the future, the sort of things that they should be including in their tenders, which is they want to show that they are including women at all levels of their contract. Maddie, how important is it to have this sort of approach to things, particularly in a tight labour market? So at the moment, there are, you know, jobs uh, are everywhere and people are being employees are being seen to have to compete for the best workers. So if you've got a policy uh, in place like this or a suite of policies in place that do make it more attractive for the best women to work in the ACT public sector, surely that's a a huge bonus for the ACT public sector to have these progressive policies in place because you clearly look a much more attractive place to work. It is. It's really important. And the ACT government has made it clear that they want to be an employer of choice. They want to attract the best possible staff. And we're, I suppose, leveraging off that during enterprise bargaining, which is happening as we speak in the ACT public service, and pushing for even more conditions that will benefit women. So in addition to things I've already spoken around, like joint selection committees and superannuation on unpaid parental leave, we're also looking at introducing things like obstetrics leave, assisted reproductive leave, menstrual menopause leave, all of these things that we know impact women and impact their experience in the workplace. So if we can work with the government to remove those barriers and to make it as the best possible place to work, we're going to keep attracting the best possible candidates for roles. Is it also about making sure that women can either stay in the workforce if they are deciding to have a family or return quickly to the workforce because the environment is flexible enough to allow them to so that they're not lost 
to uh, their employer. So particularly if you say if you've uh, been working in the public service for a long time, you've got a lot of knowledge, you've built strong relationships with uh, different sectors, you know, you're an asset to that organisation. It's in the employer's interest to make sure that they get the most out of you as quickly as possible. Does the employer see that and is that part of what this whole approach is? It may be part of the approach from the government, and we're yet to see if they're going to agree to these claims, I should say, Francis, but what they have come out and said very publicly is that they want to introduce uh, the greatest workplace flexibility of any public service in Australia. They're introducing work-from-anywhere plans. So you might be based in Canberra City with your team two days a week, and then if you live down south, for those who know Canberra, down in Tuggeranong, you might not want to drive all the way up 20, 25 minutes into the city, so there'll be a hub close to you where you can work. And the other two days, you might choose to work from home. So the government is really focused on being flexible. And we know that that will have a great impact on women workers in particular, because they're, as we know, the ones who are caring for children, but also caring for parents as well. Yeah, well, that's a really important aspect to this, isn't it? As uh, we go through different stages of life, the caring responsibilities don't end when your children grow up. You sort of fa- pass into a new phase of caring as well. And uh, hearing that workplaces are more flexible about that uh, has to be part of the discussion we have about the care economy and, and what it means for working as well. Definitely. And that's something that the CPSU and other unions here in Canberra are working really closely with the ACT government on. And we want to get this right so we have a model that we can pass on to other employers around the country. Just on that, Maddie, what's the response like from other jurisdictions, other states where Commonwealth employees are working and uh, and are members of the CPSU? Are some states better than others in closing the gap or is, it, is there a uniform gap across the nation which suggests there's systemic problems that still really need to be dealt with? Look, I haven't got the stats for other states on hand, but we do know that across Australia, the gender pay gap is sitting just under 14%. Now, I wouldn't be surprised if public services around the country are a bit lower than that because we know that the gender pay gap can really blow out in in private enterprise due to the nature of how they conduct their business and it's a bit more regulated in the public service. So I wouldn't be surprised there. But I think you'd be pretty hard-pressed to find anyone that's sitting on 0.1%. And if if they are, well done to them. Indeed. Well, I think you're setting the standard and uh, certainly providing us with an insight into an approach that definitely works. And we uh, congratulate you on that. Well done, comrade, and to all your uh, colleagues in the ACT. And uh, we'll be continuing to watch uh, what other innovations that you bring to the table that we can just copy um, shamelessly, basically. (laughs) Thanks, Francis. (laughs) Keep an eye out for assisted reproductive leave, obstetrics leave and menstrual menopausal leave. Maybe we can do an episode on once we win those. I'll stay in touch. Good on you, mate. Thank you for being on the job. Thanks, Francis. With Francis Leach, this is On The Job. Maddie Northam there from the ACT Public Service, from the CPSU, the Commonwealth Public Service Union, uh, who had just told us that basically at the moment eliminated, virtually eliminated the gender pay gap in the ACT Public Service, which is something to be celebrated and emulated. Absolutely. That's it for this week's edition of On The Job. Thank you so much for being with us, of course. As usual, can you rate us on your favourite app? Give us a review. It helps everyone find the inspiration and information and bump us up those podcast charts. And we'll catch you on the next edition of On The Job. Bye for now.